It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Hello, this is Dan here. Thanks for downloading this episode. Many thanks to our listeners who are financially supporting the podcast over at patreon.com slash inthekeyofq. You are genuinely helping to keep the series in production and more importantly, to give a space for queer voices to be heard. This week's guest comes with a unique sexy Viking vibe and a genuine passion for his country's folk history. He discusses how queer identity has freed him to fully explore his own sense of self, from silver glitter trousers to bare-chested muscle bear. Share your thoughts about today's episode. On social media, use the hashtag queermusic or email me direct on podcast at inthekeyofq.com. And if you've a moment, please do subscribe, rate and review the show on your podcast provider. All that's left to say is enjoy the episode. It's not boiled down to the people that you have sex with, but, you know, with with everything around you, the way that you express yourself through clothing or music. Hello, I'm Dan Hall. When I grew up, I almost never heard pop songs where openly queer men sang about their truths, and it made me feel invisible. There were the occasional heroes like Jimmy Somerville, Mark Almond, and Andy Bell, but in the tsunami of 1980s heteronormative pop, I felt silenced. But these days, there are plenty of songs where I can hear openly queer men singing their truths, and this podcast is all about finding and sharing this music and speaking with the musicians who create it. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard, and know that we are not alone on our queer journey. You're listening to In The Key Of Q. My guest hails from Sweden and has been releasing music for a number of years, including several singles and the 2021 EP Viking Rave Comp 1. And his most recent single is the 2021 release Olof. He describes his sound as techno-viking pop, which is incredibly intriguing, and I can't wait to find out more. I'm delighted to welcome onto In The Key Of Q, Dorin Fireheart. Dorin, hello. Hello, Dan. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's a huge honor. I'm a law student here in Stockholm and um, well, you could say that I'm a law student by day and I'm an artist by night where I change, you know, identities from, you know, just being the normal Dorin into Dorin Fireheart. Here in Sweden, we don't really show a lot of feelings, or at least here in Stockholm. So it's it's kind of hard to get one's uh, emotions across. So that's why I really use, you know, this alternate persona during Fireheart to do all of the things that I would, would normally 
you know, uh, think of. And Doran, what is it, do you think, about the Swedish temperament that lends itself so well to making outstanding pop? And I can't, like, literally, I, I, there aren't enough adjectives in the world to describe <laughs> how good your country is at making pop music. Why? Why are you so good at it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it must be the water or something. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. But I think that there's like this um, deep, uh, how do you say, um, mentality that goes back so many, so many years, like back into the Viking Age. And I see a lot of, you know, like the same sentiments and feelings uh, that you see mirrored, for example, in lyrics um, here today we're more suppressed because we have like all of these forests and it's, you know, it's particularly flat unless you go to like the Norwegian border and everything. So we sort of like bottle it in. And thanks to that, we, you know, we're able to capture all of those uh, feelings and, you know, um, translate them so good into music. Doran, looking a lot at your work and your identity and even in the conversation we've had so far viking history seems to be very embedded in there now for those of us who missed those history lessons and mm -hmm. were maybe off watching australian soap operas in the late 1980s <laughs> can you give us a little bit of a dorin potted history on vikings Oh, well, absolutely. Well, uh, the Vikings were uh, a type of uh, people that lived mainly in Scandinavia. But uh, the Vikings, they were usually very, how do you say, uh, spread out due to their um, uh, very nomadic nature. So you could find Vikings as far as the Middle East and in Africa as well, because uh, a huge honor for a Viking was, you know, to go and um, get yourself a name outside of, you know, like Scandinavia. So you could find all of these Viking warriors in, in the Middle East. There's a lot uh, about uh, honor, you know, like uh, a Viking's honor and, you know, generally um, being sort of like very emotive and very poetic, uh, which is something that I've also encountered a lot, you know, reading the Icelandic sagas, which is something that I'm doing now um to um, uh, how do you say to better my understanding on just who these people were because i think our image in this country of vikings is that mm. they just came over and pillaged and raped everybody yeah yeah but uh yeah th th <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's always that it's always pillage and rape exactly <laughs> Nothing yeah, else. yeah. Uh, it, and that's actually very interesting because a lot of the uh, history uh, regarding the Vikings is written by the, how do you say, by the Vikings' enemies. And they tended to, you know, describe them as being very, very dirty, very, you know, like uh, ugly, very, you know, like awful people, when in fact, mo most of it was, you know, like the opposite. They were fucking hot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I actually grew up in both Sweden and Chile. 
as well in Santiago. Um, I first moved here to Sweden when I was five years old. And then uh, I moved back to Chile when I was um, eight years old and I lived there for like four years. But I was usually very happy as a kid, like people, um, people in Chile, especially like in school would bully me over being such a happy kid. They even said something like, oh, well, if he could, he would probably sprout flowers from his ass. (laughs) And when did you start to grow a relationship with your own queer identity? Oh, uh, I was actually really, really late doing that because um, I felt that during, for example, um, uh, high school, and I didn't find anything, you know, that really, you know, just made me uh, think in in those ways that I was, you know, queer. And I think it was in the second in second year of uh, high school where I started, you know, developing feelings for, you know, one of my friends. So he, he took, you know, a distance from me. And it was something that I, that that I at first, you know, was very hurt about because I did, I I did, I didn't mean to, you know, like express anything. And I felt, you know, just really lost. So I think it was, you know, like in third year where I was kind of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm queer, I'm, I'm gay, but I'm not going to say this to anyone else. And I, and I spent most of the years in, you know, after that, especially in university, just trying to recapture all of that, you know, trying to explore what is a queer identity, what is queer music. And, you know, and I can really thank Hercules and Love Affair for, you know, just putting me into that uh, headspace and sort of like exploring and not denying that and just, you know, embracing it more and more. What is the general opinion of people in Sweden towards queer communities? Is it an open minded country? Here in Stockholm, everyone's just like super open, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's our, you know, pride to show, you know, like, for example, the rainbow flag when it's pride and, you know, people think that it's cool to have, you know, like, um, gay friends and, you know, to, to know gay people and, and, and stuff like that. It's very, and also, you know, we have the Melodie Festivalen, which is such a national occurrence that, you know, straight people and gay people, you know, both enjoy it so much and it, and it has, you know, a lot of campness to it. But if you go, for example, outside of these more, you know, like accepting communities, for example, perhaps outside in a little village in the North or, you know, like in the South, you might find people that aren't as open-minded. Because of your mixed heritage, do you feel that it was more challenging for you to come out, even though you were living in a country that was relatively liberal? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, My parents come from a very, you know, like Catholic background um, from uh, Chile. And in Chile, um, you know, there's, I mean, now it's, of course, a little bit better, better regarding, you know, like queer people and all of that. But still, a lot of uh, my family uh, there thinks that, for example, uh, gay equals pedophile 
which is really, 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 really sad. And I think all of that stress that I had, you know, just thinking that I had, you know, to come out to my parents that had, you know, like probably had this different worldview made me really frightened. Grabbing your hand, I felt time freeze, taking me back to the 90s, like a track by a drum loose. Freedom that fell on your face, boy, made out of glitter and rain and joy. Y'all move on me day. Yellow eyes and wicked smiles. Get my name. Glad you agree. Honest lies memorize my face. So you get hungry. Is your queer identity important now to you and the musician that you've become? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's super important for me. I, uh, I used to have this uh, friend. He told me that, um, you know, if you would be straight, you would probably, you know, like be, you wouldn't have this essence about you. You wouldn't have this, uh, this different perspective that's, um, you know, that uh, straight per- persons don't have. And suddenly I just felt that, yeah, you know, you're right. Really, I would lose, you know, a part of my identity. I wouldn't be as eager, you know, for example, to explore all of these different, uh, how do you say, sides to me. It's not boiled down to the people that you have sex with, but, you know, with with everything around you, the way that you express yourself through clothing or music or your inner soul. And I think that is just so beautiful. The way that you present yourself on your record sleeves and in your artwork has a very specific look and a very specific brand. And for mm. anybody listening who has a penchant for a muscular chest with hair all <laughs> over it should most definitely track down his artwork and i was wondering if you could talk to us a bit about your your brand and and how how you choose to present yourself because certainly body and the male body is such a huge part of queer culture Mm. um and is often used to weaponize each other so i'm very keen to find out why you do what you do i'm thinking about this comment that i had from a uh, from a friend that i actually met uh this week he told me you're basically doing drag because you're you're you have this you know like personality this alter ego where you just express your truest self and then you you know and and then you get into this character when you make music and all that and i feel that it's just yeah it's it's really telling because if you see like all of these drag queens they're being very genuine even if they're doing you know like a character leather goods is drag dressing up you know it's all just theater and more power to it for that exactly yeah yeah it's it's all the facets of who we are as a person i think that it's very hard to you know like boil down you know like the truest part of your identity without having all of these different you know like branching paths of who you are as a person i think that's yeah 
I feel that, uh, for example, if you see how straight artists are marketed in mainstream media or mainstream pop, it's always a very reserved look. Like, sure, they can use their sexuality to attract, uh, you know, like female listeners and all of that. But I feel that it's not as embraced. It's, um, you know, sometimes it's even laughed at. For example, I remember this time where... Uh, Adam Levine, you know, the singer in yeah. Maroon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he um, sort of, I, I think he performed shirtless during a, a Super Bowl, uh, you know, um, what was it? Super Bowl concert or, or something. And people were laughing at him, you know, like, oh, you're such a douche for showing your body or, you know, like, and I, th- and I feel that, you know, that's wrong, you know, like you should well, <laughs> I mean, you, you should, you shouldn't be afraid of showing, showing your body. It should be something that is celebrated. You know, it's something that is just so natural to who we are. There's something that we need to de-weaponize as much as we need to de-weaponize, for example, the, um, the showing of female bodies, because a lot of um, social media and everything is censoring, you know, like female bodies, and that is just so awful. Together, a path will make us fail, but that's okay. Let's carve together, together, together. I try to make my own, like, um, for example, in my single or artwork as, you know, genuine as possible, because a lot of, you know, like the uh, sexuality that you see, for example, like in all of these, you know, like chiseled men and, and uh, advertisements and stuff like that, it just feels so hollow. Like it doesn't really come from a place of you know, like warmth or, you know, like accepting sexuality, it really feels very, you know, like plastic. And I think that is one of the keys to, you know, finding, finding our own comfort in our own bodies. So Doran, for those listeners who haven't seen any of your artwork, can you describe how you present yourself, how you present your body in the artwork that you produce? Well, it's usually, you know, like, (laughs) and this is also like from my own, um, you know, like friends uh, that have told me, oh, you should present yourself as a Viking. And I try to, you know, like, uh, fantasize, like, what is, uh, is the rawest form of how a Viking would look like, but translate it to, you know, like the this age like the modern age like how would a modern viking look like uh, a modern queer viking <laughs> so you decided to become a musician and why was that did you feel a need to communicate something about your identity or a need to communicate a message to the world that you felt you were not able to do in other ways absolutely um actually um my relationship relationship with making music has been <laughs> a bit of a stormy one because uh i i was first inspired like in high school you know to buy an analog synth and just experiment on that one 
And then I sort of like stopped because I felt that I didn't have any structure, like I didn't know how to write any pop music. But then I think it was like in the fourth year of university or something where I was like in this uh, uh, in this really intense dating with uh, with this uh, guy. Um, and of course, I got heartbroken after that. Uh, and I felt really useless as a person, like, what am I doing with my life? Uh, sure, I have like this dusty old synth that I barely have time to use. But then I, I was just like, no, I need this. I need this for my own sake and for my own identity. I need to just put out those emotions. So has music been a sort of life raft for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's both for my own sanity as well, because studying law is a very harsh, um, I mean, environment. There's a lot of like competitivity and there's a lot of like, you meet a lot. Of, I mean, you meet a lot of nice people, but I say, I'd say like 70% of the people are very, you know, much like inside the box thinking. Which yeah. is, yeah, which is just uh, super sad for, you know, a, a person with, you know, like a very creative, how do you say, it, with a very creative soul. For the longest time, when I was young, kind of books and literature were, I just was looking at them from the wrong perspective, I think, because it felt so closed off. I sit silently. Without any sort of friend to back me, I think to myself to quit this private hell. I sit silently, they will never understand me. They will never understand me. What other queer artists are you listening to at the moment? Oof, so many. Um, I'm really fascinated by uh, Lisette Lisette, uh, which is a Swedish artist um, that uh, does, you know, like this beautiful um, sort of like um, house uh, techno uh, blend with, you know, like really synth synth-based music and uh, they being a non-binary person uh, which is not something that you hear a lot about you know for example like in Swedish uh, media uh, it's not as uh, you know talked about for example like in the in the UK or in in the US I think so I think they're really you know like tearing down walls especially like for music and identity absolutely there's there's a lot of you know like trans uh, persons and non-binary persons that are releasing some really exciting music here in Stockholm. And Dorian, for those people who are falling in love with you and want to know a lot more about you, where can they find you online? Oh, they can find me every, everywhere, like in Instagram, where I'm most uh, active, but also on Twitter if you want to hear my viking brain farts <laughs> and also uh well i'm on all the streaming services like spotify itunes tidal 
yeah, everywhere where you can find music. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that's where you'll find me. What do you think the 15-year-old Doran would make of the music that you make now? Oh, I think, well, I, at first I'd, I'd be just a, a teensy bit, you know, like embarrassed, you know, like, oh, is that me? But then, you know, considering, you know, like all of the music and, you know, like the phase that I was going through, you know, just discovering all of these different expressions and everything, I'd, I'd be really proud of myself because I remember, you know, in in that age, you know, just thinking like, oh, I wish I could make music that sounded like that or music that that was, you know, that is just really cool. And I think that he, little Dorin, would fit, uh, would think that it would be really, you know, that he would be really, really cool <laughs> listening to the music of of me right now. Yes. And do you think he'd recognize you as being an advanced version of himself? I don't think so, actually, because I couldn't even, you know, imagine having a beard. <laughs> and I couldn't even imagine, you know, just being being as big as I am or, you know, just using um, glitter or, you know, like silver pants or, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Now, we've been playing clips of your music all the way through this episode, Dorin, but... Uh, We've been saving the best till last, I think, which will be the gateway track, which you think people should listen to in order to help them fall in love with your catalogue. And what <laughs> track do you think that should be and why? Well, I think it's my latest track, Olof, uh, because it is really just a combination of all of my music and what I try to be is great. And I also feel that it's the most honest I've been, you know, like writing a song lyric. Usually I write around, you know, like some bigger concept, but now it's just, um, it's just uh, the distillation of who I am.
Dorin Fireheart, thank you so much for joining me here on In the Key of Q. It's been wonderful to have you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Dan. It's been a huge honor. And I'm, yeah, I, I feel so happy to, you know, finally be able to speak with you and, and all of that. It's really amazing. Many thanks for listening to this episode with Dorin Fireheart. Remember to listen to him on the usual streaming platforms and find links to his homepage in the show notes. We have exclusive Key of Q content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q and there you can join other listeners by supporting the show's production costs for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode with Dorin on social media using the hashtag queer music or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. and do rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really helps. Our theme tune is by Pauline Edu at unstoppablemonsters.com. And thanks to Paul Smith, our PR guru, and our digital brand manager, Olivier Name. Many thanks to Katja Kanther and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. And the show is presented and produced by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Okay. Hope you have a great life. Bye.